I watched that video and I don't know if to be like pumped up or to be nervous or anything like that. It, it always reminds me of playing pool basketball with my dad when I was in high school and I was in like the prime of life, you know, super fit, lifting weights. And yet his old man's strength could always dominate me and just slam on me. And it's just, you know, there you go. Happy Father's Day in front of everyone. I admitted it. Um, our, our text today continues on with what we've been looking at in Galatians, and, and we pick up right after Paul made that conclusion in chapter 2. And the conclusion that he's working through this entire letter is that we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus apart from the works of the law. So the only way in is faith in Jesus Christ. No works are counting to get you salvation. And that's the conclusion of his argument. And like any good arguer, he then gives four more examples. And today we pick up at example two. So I want to jump us back real quickly, though, to example number one, because it leads us into two. And what's going on here is you and I are going to pick up our little sheet, and it has the Bible verses for it, and we're just going to work our way through this text today as we dive in. Now, before we arrive at verse 23, Paul has already talked about someone named Abraham. And if you remember Abraham, he comes to us in Genesis. God calls Abraham out of the city that he was living into and new life. Abraham gets up and he goes. And we come across a wonderful verse in chapter 12 that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Because he believes God, he has now been made right with God. And then Paul says about 400 years later, the law comes through Moses at the time where they were just getting out of Egypt. And so his argument here is the promise comes before the law. And just because the law came after the promise doesn't make the promise go away. And so if the promise remains, even though the law has now come, what is the function of the law? And that's where we pick up today. What's the purpose of this law? And he's going to give us a word that we translate as guardian, and we're going to find out that the, the Greeks called it a pedagogue, and we're going to flesh it out a little bit. So if you'll read along with me, I'll read it. You don't have to read it out loud, though I do love that. Maybe we'll do that for one verse or two. Um, but just follow along, make some little notes on that backside that Mr. Higgins has made for us on the back if you find them helpful. Before the coming of this faith... We were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Again, guardian, pedagogue. What a pedagogue was in ancient Rome when Paul's writing this was they were a type of slave that the parents would hire right when that child kind of moved from that elementary age to right about two, three years before they were going to become a full-blown adult in the eyes of the Roman world. And the pedagogue had a simple job. We say simple, but those of us who are doing stuff like this, a.k.a. being a nowadays parent, know that it's not quite so simple. Question? Oh, they weren't turning kids into slaves. I said that wrong. The slave was the one who was working it through. I don't know if you know, but Sunday school is closed today. So that's why we have so many children. So if I answer a question to me like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? It's okay. Now, so the pedagogue was the slave of the parents who was helping train the child. And here's what they would do. They would protect them from the moral law or from making moral mistakes. They would protect them from getting physically hurt. They would educate them in matters of speech and behavior, and they would discipline them. Now think about that example, just like the law protect us from getting hurt, educate us in the way that we should live, keep a, a guide for our behavior, 
help us, discipline us. And notice the role of the pedagogue didn't last forever. It was a very short role. And once the child hit adulthood, the pedagogue was gone because they had moved on. And for those of us who now have faith, because Christ Jesus has come, the role of the law has changed. Does that mean the law is gone? Absolutely not. What we're going to see, Ethan, is this. Promise, law, Christ, and a new law that Pastor Hayes is going to flesh out for you in the fruits of the Spirit next week. Let's continue along. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ. What's happening here is that since you have become now an adult, you have a change in identity. And this change in identity is more than just hitting your birthday and you get in a car. This change in identity becomes everything. Because now you are identified only with Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is so much more than anything we can ever comprehend. And not only that, you have been baptized into him. You have been clothed in him. You start to wear him. You start to look like him. You start to do the things that Christ has called you to do because he lives inside of you. And then there comes something very profound. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, that promise, and heirs according to the promise. In Christ Jesus, we have a unity that transcends everything. Socioeconomics, gender, ethnicity, you name it, is transcended and changed into Christ Jesus so that we become his and his alone. And on Father's Day, that means that we are now one big happy family. Everything has changed for us on account of Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, remember that the chapters come a little bit later, right? Paul wasn't writing with like, oh, in chapter 4, verse 1. Those come a little bit later so that we can systematize, we can think, we can find them a lot faster. What I'm saying is that, and for those of you students, so that we can give you memory verses, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. And if we think about what a slave was, a slave never really knew where they stood with their master. If they worked hard, things went well. Did their master love them? Did their master not? I don't know. But although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father, setting up the next sentence. So also, we were underage. We were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. For the Jews, it was the idea that they could earn God's favor. For the Greeks, is that they could become super wise. For us, what are the ways of the world to tell us how we are to exist, who we are to become? And how are those different than what God has called us to be? And then comes some deep theology here. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, this is Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent his son, 100% God. Born of a woman, 100% man. Born under the law with a purpose of redeeming those under the law. Unless Jesus Christ is fully human, he can't redeem humans like you and me. Unless he is fully God, he couldn't do it because no human can fulfill the law. 
He redeemed us so that we might receive adoption to sonship. And what that means is a little bit like the prodigal son. Do you remember? He walks up and he says, give me what's mine. You're dead to me. Now, we're not saying that to God, but he basically gets everything. When you are the son, when you are adopted into the family, you get everything. And it's interesting to me that Paul doesn't write down something that has to do with our heavenly life or the riches and the glories that await for us and the perfection and all that stuff in heaven. He gives us something in the now. He says in verse 6, Because you are his son, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. He pours out his spirit on us, and he gives us a way of talking to God that is not in the formal usted, but is instead in an intimate and personal way. The creator of the universe we can now go and say, Dad, I need you. And that takes us to this theme verse, right? You're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Calling out, Dad, I need you. A couple days ago, my daughter, who is here, she said to me as she was sleeping, I'd like to tell you it was 7.30, but I think we can all agree, some of us are parents, it wasn't 7.30. It was like way later. She's like, Daddy... And I'm like, oh, daddy, not here. Daddy! <laughs> Pause in my, you know, important whatever I was doing. And I go in and I go, yeah, what's up, honey? I'm afraid. And I was like, okay, well, you got a nightlight. Good night. And she, no, daddy, I'm really afraid. So we know what to do, don't we, dads? Creak the neck, jump in the bed. What's up? What are you afraid of? And I don't remember what she said, but we calmed her fears. But here's where it got deep. She asked me, what are you afraid of, Daddy? And I was like, ooh, what do I do? Because I'm a macho dad. You can tell. <laughs> so the answer you know is, I'm afraid of nothing. Now go to sleep, child. And to leave the room, like in a big old stomp, boom, boom, you know, the Lacey DC theme music plays as I leave the room. That did not happen. Because I'm also a funny dad. And so I was like, ooh, maybe I'll hit the, uh, well, I'm afraid of, like, uh, you know, big elephants and pink tutus who dance around the sky. Ha, 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 ha. And then she'll stop asking me this question. But I didn't do that either. So I settled on something that is also macho and funny and real, and that was spiders. I am afraid of spiders. It is true. <laughs> and after I said I was afraid of spiders, she asked me, well, would you be able to save me from a spider? It got real, real fast, right? I mean, like, how much do I love this child? I said, of course I can save you from a spider. And we made a plan of what we would do. We said a quick thank you to God for making spiders not have the ability to fly. And I calmed her down, go to bed. She goes to bed. I was already sleeping. Well, technically I was watching TV, but we know that it's the same thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about the profoundness of the six-year-old's question. What am I really afraid of? What am I really afraid of? That's a hard question. Maybe you've asked it to yourself. And I think the Galatians asked themselves that question too. What am I afraid of? And for me, it was like, am I really loved? Am I really loved by God? Am I really saved? And I think I have three choices 
There's probably four, but I chose three because it sounds better. I think I can run away and not care if I'm saved or if I'm loved by God. Just pretend like it doesn't exist. Just not think about it. The other thing I can do is I can do kind of what the Galatians wanted to do, and that was I can put the love and the salvation on my terms. I'm going to do what's right, and God, you owe me salvation. Because that way, it's on me and I'm in control. And I think I find myself there often in my relationships and in my thinking. Or I can do something else. When I was thinking about what my daughter did, after I left, you know what she did? She put her head on her pillow, she closed her eyes and she said, I love you, Daddy. And my other option is I can put my head on my pillow and I can know and I can trust that my Father loves me, that he has saved me. Free to the Father means I am freed from the rat race of trying to earn and keep his love. Because in Jesus Christ, nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. And if I'm free to be loved by the Father, that means I'm free to be a father or a mother or a sibling, to love the ones that God has brought into my life. And I am free to say, I am not anything but God's child who is loved by him.